On behalf of the family, I would like to thank all of you for being here with us to celebrate the life of this precious son, brother, husband, father, Poppy, and even Uncle Poppy to little Abriel. I don't know if everyone in this room, you should be aware of this, but I, I don't know if you are. But my friend and brother-in-law, Paul, was a worshiper. He remains to this day. I, we don't have to say he was. We can say he is a worshiper. And we are gathered here today to honor this man of God the best way we can and the best way we can that I could think of is to worship and love Jesus the way Paul worshipped and loved Jesus so I invite you to worship in your own way there may be some here that will raise your hands and there may be some here that will sing a, a really loud hallelujah and there may be some that will clap their hands. All of which are biblically appropriate for what we're doing here today for we are honoring a worshiper. And so what I would say is join us. Join the family as we sing. Join the family as we honor our dear brother by raising a sound of praise in this place in honor of a worshiper. We all can worship God. It doesn't matter who you are. So why don't you stand to your feet? And if you want to, just lift your hands. And I want you to thank God for the blessing that was Paul Vaughn. Let's worship God right now and let's do honor to a worshiper. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus.
Let's worship the Lord right now. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I thank you, God, for your presence. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy, God. Hallelujah. 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 I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I praise your mighty name, Jesus. Hallelujah. You can be seated. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Praise God. Praise God. Paul Kenneth Vaughn, 51, husband of 31 years to Sabrina Pruitt Vaughn, died Friday, September 4th, 2020. He was born in Hartwell, Georgia. He was the son of Kenneth Harold Vaughn and Isla Aldrich Vaughn. Mr. Vaughn worked for J.M. Huber as a maintenance mechanic and was a member of Restoration Apostolic Church. Survivors, in addition to his wife and parents, include three children, Rachel, her husband Billy Montgomery, Karen and her husband Dusty Guest, and Aaron Paul Vaughn. Siblings Jason Edward Vaughn, Christy Griever, and Andrea Butler, and three grandchildren, Emma Grace Montgomery, Brody Luke Montgomery, and Macy Annabelle Montgomery. I first met Paul when I was in college and I had fallen in love with his sister and uh, his stated reason for traveling to the college was to see Christy but I have a feeling he probably also wanted to make sure his sister hadn't taken up with an idiot (laughs) we quickly became friends we sat there in the in the cafeteria there of that college and we talked and he was a friend before I married Christy he he and I went to Charlie Williams I I think I've got the name of that restaurant right but Charlie Williams he took me to Charlie Williams and and I told him that I was scared I was scared of the responsibility of choices the future what it might bring 
and also the care and protection of his precious sister. He looked at me from across the table and he laughed at me. And he said, it's going to be all right. That was him. That was the Paul that I knew and loved. Confident, steady, and kind. He would greet me. I can't do this the way he did it. But when he would see me almost every time, I'm not going to say every time because maybe he missed once or twice, but almost every time he'd come up to me and he'd either shake my hand or hug me and he'd say, brother-in-law. You know, come to think of it, drop the in-law. I'm comfortable with being brother. To to my family, I'd like to say this. We have not lost Paul. Paul is found. He is found. He's home. He's made it. He's where we are trying to get. But don't you know that when his feet first touched the shores, didn't he begin to run? Can somebody see Paul running right now? If you close your eyes, can you see him running in church? Paul's cousin Frank shared something with me last night that Paul had discussed with him. Paul talked about when the warrior lays down his sword. In this world, we must have our armor. The Bible tells us we've got to have the armor of God, and you've got to have your shield and your sword. You've got to have it, but there comes a point when the warrior lays down the sword. We have to have the armor, but his labors is done. They're all done. His labor is over. This prayer warrior, this worship warrior, this man of God has ceased from his labors. He is in the presence of God, for to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ, with Him. He's where He wanted to be and He's found His way home. So rest, my precious brother. Rest in the gentle light of God's glory. Rest. Yet a little while and I will see you again. Brother-in-law. I'm so thankful for the blessing this man was to all of you people in this place. And let me tell you the difference in his life. He would tell you it was Jesus. That's what he would say. God bless you. I greet you in the name of what? Absolutely. And I am incredibly privileged to be here and represent a little part of the history of his story. He wrote his story well. It is on a clay tablet. We call Paul. I'll never forget the introduction to this family. I thank God for a sister that 
was the medium that, that introduced us, but I think they call this place Rack. Rack, it was a wreck. And Sister Vaughn was shattered in the wreck. Nobody got really hurt, but she got tore to pieces. And her church and her pastor, if y'all were, had a pastor, I don't know if at the, in that time you didn't have one. I can't, I, that's right, I, I thought you didn't. They didn't have a pastor. I was a fill-in. And graciously, the sister said, my pastor needs to come and pray for you because you've got too much stress. And your church is a long way and you don't have a pastor right now. I'm so glad I was a fill-in. And in Sister Vaughn's words last night, she said, Pastor, you, you came, and uh, in my words, it was like she was in a storm, and Jesus was below deck, a little sleep in her life. And me and her went down and woke him up. And he come up on deck, stood on the bow of that boat, and in an instant in her words, he said, peace be still. Now I'm fixing to have a Paul fit right now. And I don't want to make you appalled at me. <laughs> Amen. But I'm going to tell you what, I'm happy about Jesus. Jesus will never let you down. He will never, ever let you. Now, this caused, Brother Vaughn, this caused another little wreck to happen. I know you remember this. This is one highlight of my life. Sister Vaughn says, I'm going to come to your church. I think it was on Sunday nights. Maybe you're still going up to Livonia. Is my memory right? This is 35 years ago, folks. And I'm 70. <laughs> this is tough. I woke up. I didn't wake up last night. I laid down at about 10, 30, 11 o'clock and it Two o'clock, I said, I might as well get up. I can't even sleep. I'm thinking about Paul. And so I got in there and tried to write. But this is the only notes that I took to the platform, and this is what y'all gave me about the order of service. So I'm just having to tell you from my clay pot right now. But uh, she came on two, two or three Sunday nights. And, oh, boy. Paul started his running ordeals in church. He got ribbed up. And uh, that second or third Sunday night, man, all heaven broke loose. I don't know how many of, the, of them got baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Got filled with hope. We had seven to get baptized that night. Mama and four, four of your kids, four, three of your kids including my kid right here that's called Odette. <laughs> and they got baptized. Well, she went home and announced to kind Kenneth 
I don't know if he has ever had one cross word with anybody but me. Yeah. <laughs> you got an amen. <laughs> and she announced to him she would not be going back to their church, that she had found her another church, and she had been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, this kind, I, I don't want to be just, this kind cat, just so graceful, become a bear. He said, you call that little preacher over here. I'm going to have, am I right? I'm going to have some words with him. I wasn't for sure if those words were going to be shotgun or the belt. I wasn't for sure what they were. So I took along my sword. And I took Bible study I call bullets. I knocked on his door. He said, come in. I didn't really want to. I was not for sure what was going to face me. But I come in. He said, have a seat. I had a seat. He told his wife and children. He said, y'all leave the room. I said, you know, I'm not even going to have a witness. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and they left. They went to a prayer meeting. We went to a Bible study. They went back there and started praying. And the first words out of his kind mouth is he said, Brother Cole, I love you. Ooh, I dodged that bullet. And then he used the conjunctive adverb, which means on the contrary, but. I said, uh-oh, here comes the belt. Here comes the bullet. He said, you, Frank, this is what he said. You are tearing my family apart. His words. I said, and immediately I humbled before him. I said, oh, Brother Vaughn, if I am tearing your family apart, I owe you, your family, and the Lord an apology and humbly as a man I apologize before you and if I am doing something wrong I am man enough to own up to it and ask your forgiveness and their forgiveness he said thank you brother Cole I said on the other hand I want you to be man enough to own up to something if you're being bullheaded Didn't I say that? And he said, you got a deal. Back on terms again. He said, Brother Colt, me and you believe the same thing. I said, praise God. He said, you believe in the rapture of the church? I said, yes, sir. You believe in washing of the feet, feet of the saints? Yes, sir. You believe in communion? I was about ready to take some. I said, yes, sir. 
He said, now, I think it was your lesson on the next Sunday. He said, my lesson on this next Sunday, we may not see exactly eye to eye on. That's uh, how many is in the Godhead? He said, I said, brother, we're universes apart on that. There's only one. Jesus is his name. There's not three co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent parts, and you're not going to see three gods when you get there. He said, I believe that. I said, there's no quarrel. I'm only going to see one when I get there. And then we started, and I went into about a 45-minute Bible study. I'll never forget this day as long as I live. When I got done, I looked at him. Big old tears was coming down his cheeks. Big old tears started down my cheeks. And he said, I'm coming tomorrow and I'm getting baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I jumped to my feet talking in tongues. He was praising God. And all of a sudden, a different spirit come over me and I started seeing fowls of procrastination that was ready to take those seeds out. Brother Vaughn, you remember this well. And I started wrestling with those fowls and about five minutes in the tongues and then I stopped and looked at him. He said, let's go get baptized right now. Thank God. They came. I'm not going to belabor a lot of the points, but Man, how do, you, how do you tell a man's history in just a, a few minutes? And I'm not going to be long. But they came, all the kids joined our Christian school. Uh, and just a few months later, there was a beautiful lady that came to our church. And I believe her name was Sabrina Pruitt. And Pruitt done it to it this man he suddenly got more interested in school than he had ever been in his life <laughs> oh you have to know Paul you do. he went off to Bible school she was a, a junior when she came then a senior long year of waiting and then they planned a, a marriage and uh, she graduated a few days later. The marriage was scheduled. I'm going to tell you, they, they had a fiery love affair. <laughs> because our church burned the day that they were to get married. They said, no problem. We'll just go to Papa Vaughn's, your father. And we'll have the wedding there, a garden wedding. That day, Papa died. Church burned the day before. Paul died, and they got married all within 24 hours. You tell me he didn't have a colorful life. He was one more amazing man. And thank God for amazing grace. It took him just a few years. Well, I will not go into a lot of the things, but uh, the family knows it well. Court cases and suits and different things we had to resolve not among ourselves but uh, with certain situations and Paul was there, Brother Kenneth Vaughn became such a root and a, and a, and a 
foundation of our church, on our church board, the teachers, y'all become teachers and, and just uh, great memories. Then we went to build our church and putting up trusses. The night before, this lady had a dream about her pastor getting killed at the construction site. And I feel quite confident it was her prayers and God awakening her the reason I stand here today before you. I'm telling you, I'm tied to this family. Thank you, Breen. And uh, the trusses did come down. Brother Paul got greatly hurt. You got hurt. A couple other men in our church, the Barretts, got hurt. But we still erected a great church by the help of this great family. And a wreck brought him to us. We carried him a little while, brought him to wreck. So from a wreck through First Pentecostal Church to wreck, from wreck to wreck, I thank God for this church and what this church means to this family that God gave us all. I love you so very much.
something about songs that talking about making it that just kind of hits you and I tell you if there's anything I want to make sure of is that I make it I want to make it home and I believe with the help of the Lord I will Amen. this family is uh, very special to so many people and to us I was very honored when they came here I have, as Brother Cole said, I have struggled over the last few days to try to frame my friend's life into a few words, and I just don't know it can be done. Don't get worried, you see. Well, he brought a Bible and a notebook. He's <laughs> but Brother Paul said he wanted a, a church service, and so I thought of all the great things I could say about him, but then we would be here for such a long time. A lot of great things and memories have been shared already. And so 
I'm going to just do what Paul enjoyed. I'm going to preach for just a little while. Not long. I'm not going to keep us on, but I'm going to, I'm going to preach. I enjoyed preaching when Paul was here because before I could, I could say, if you'll turn to this scripture, before I could read it, I would hear him finish quoting it. He would, he would already be quoting what I was turning to. And if in the middle of my sermon I said, you know, it says over here, he's quoting it before I could finish it. He, would, he was right there with me and always backing me up. He was my friend. And he was my brother. And he loved me. One of the last things he said to me was, I love you. He loved people. Anybody met him, you knew that right away. He loved his wife. He loved his children. His, he loved his son-in-laws, his, his, uh, all of his grandkids. And, you know, he, he loved you guys. You, you never, never have to wonder about that. But like it's already been said, most of all, Paul loved Jesus. He, he, he was all about the Lord. And that is what made his story what it is today. There's some things, and you'll see where I'm at in just a moment. There's uh, three verses of Scripture that I'll share. You'll understand the meaning of it in just a few moments because of something that happened into the early days prior to Paul's passing. But Peter wrote in his second letter in the first chapter, verse 13, he knew that his time was drawing near to ending on this earth. And he said, Yea, I think it meet or necessary as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. I'll get there, hang on. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And then one portion, one line from Romans 12 and 3. God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And this morning I was driving in early to the church and was thinking about what I would say, how I had no idea, no clue, had a few scriptures. It seemed like a jigsaw puzzle. But when that scripture came to my mind, the Lord gave me this thought. When the measure of faith becomes the measure of the man. Paul was a man of faith. I've heard people call him tall Paul. The gentle giant. But I feel like this will work for today. Paul was a man of faith. And when the measure of faith becomes the measure of the man, friend, now you got a story. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, now, come on, I feel the Holy Ghost in here now. I'm going, I'm going to preach for a minute. 
Let me tell you something. When that faith in Jesus becomes your life, when that measure of faith that God has given to every man, when you embrace it, when you begin to do something with it, then the measure of faith becomes the measure of the man. I want to be a man of faith. Come on, yeah, go. Now I feel like we're in church for a minute. Oh, somebody ought to lift your hands and thank God. Say, whoo, I'm glad I did something with what God gave me. Because when he gave it to me, I wasn't really worth anything. But when, he, when I grabbed it, embraced it, when I believed in it, when I obeyed it, hey, then that became the measure of the man I am today. Well, we walk by faith. The Bible says we live by faith. And Paul, being a man of faith, the steps that he took in this life have taken him to the place that all men and women of faith are longing to go to, to be present with the Lord. If we want to know today what made Paul who he was, then you've got to know it starts right here. It was his faith in Christ the Lord. The measure of faith became the measure of the man. If you want to sit back and think, wonder what made Paul so special, it was his faith in Jesus. If you want to know what made Paul a good husband, then it was his faith in Jesus. If he was a good daddy, it was because he had faith in Jesus. If he was a good son and a good brother, it was because of his faith in Jesus. Let me tell you, when we embrace what God has given, then the measure of faith becomes the measure of the man. Paul was a man of faith. And I know that there's a place in Scripture we talk about faith. If I just had faith as the grain of a mustard seed, just that little bit, and we can move mountains. It's true. But I was thinking on that this morning, and I remembered that Jesus used that grain of mustard seed in another parable. And he said, the kingdom of heaven's like the grain of a mustard seed, in which if a man takes and sows it into his field, and even though it's the least of all these herbs, when it is grown, it becomes a tree and all the fowls of the air begin to lodge in it. I, I thought about that field. That's your life. And when you take that grain of faith and sow it into your field, when you sow it into your life, it's going to grow. It seems like the least because that's where it starts. But once it's sown, it's going to grow. And when it begins to grow in your life, it's going to be a, a tree, the Bible said we'd be trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. And hey, honey, that comes through faith. And now I saw in Paul's life that in his field, he took that small little grain of a mustard seed, that faith that God has given to every man, and it grew. He didn't hide it away. He didn't keep it in the, you can buy you a pack of seeds, and it's going to be a pack of seeds all day long until you do something with it. And Paul was given something by the Lord. And he didn't just hide it or, or store it away or put it up for safekeeping, but he sowed it. You know, and whatever comes up in that field, you ever ride down the road and say, hey, look at that cornfield, cotton field, soybeans, whatever it is, whatever's planted, what's going to grow. You could ride by Paul's life and say, look at that faith. 
Look at that field of faith. Look at that man of faith. I don't know what, where he got that. Well, God gave it to everybody. Everybody can, but you sow, if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. You see, the measure of who you are be how you sow it. Not how you're giving it, it's how you sow it. What do you do with it? What are you going to do with the things that God has given you? Let me tell you, this life is a vapor. And it appears for just a little while. And then it vanishes away. There is a first breath and there is a last breath. What are you doing between those breaths? Whatever you do in that life that's lived between the first breath and the last breath, that's what makes you who you are. And we've all been given the measure of faith. The Bible says some people don't know the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. But what are you doing with what God has given you today? God gives to every man and woman the measure of faith and that faith should become the measure of who we are and what we do. That's what He wants out of us. Jesus told a parable. He said a master of His house, He went away and He delivered to His servants talents. He gave one five, one two, and one one. All of them got something. But two of them, the measure of who they were was what they did with what they got. Well, actually, all of them, it was their measure. And one could not even do the very least, but he just hid his talent away. But Paul did not hide his talent. Paul did not hide his faith. He was very vocal in his worship. He was very uh, strong in his faith. He loved uh, the church. He loved worshiping. He loved praising God. He loved backing up the preacher. He loved his family. He showed love to people. He lived a life of faith. You want to know what made Paul special? It wasn't because he was just that handsome fellow. Boy, he was a good-looking guy. And I can say I'm confident I can say that. I ain't ain't worried about saying that. They posted a picture up of him, a young man. I said, said, man, look at that fellow. I said, smooth. I said, a little grin. I said, just wearing people out. You know he knew. I said, you knew he was. And I said, you knew he knew he was smooth. You just tell with that look in his eye. Mm Mm-hmm. I know, I tell it. But if you want to know what made him this man we're honoring today, let me tell you, I preached Wednesday night the impact of what you do with what you hear. And let me tell you, faith comes by hearing. (laughs) But what are you doing with what you hear? And I don't know the exact date when Paul heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know. Uh, But there was an even more important date. It was the date that he obeyed the gospel. There was a day when that measure of faith was given. But then there was another day when he did something with it. And I'll tell you, he believed the gospel. Paul believed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he believed that the plan of salvation was Acts 2.38. He believed you needed to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. He believed that you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Hey, let me tell you, he did something with that measure of faith. And it became the measure of the man. When Brother Paul took up his cross daily and started following Jesus, uh, his faith became the measure of who he was. Uh, He loved Jesus. He loved the church. He loved his word. Paul loved the Lord. He had faith in God. And the reason Paul had what he had in this life, and the reason he was who he was is because he did 
It's because of what he did with the measure that God gave him. You know why Paul had what he had? You know why he had 31 years of a great marriage? Because he sought first the kingdom of God and all these things were added unto him. He had a good wife and he had great kids. He had great parents. You know why he had great things in his life? You know why he had a great walk? Why he had great church? Because he sought first the kingdom of God. He said, I'm going to take what God gave me and I'm going to seek that first. I'm going to use that faith first. And that's going to be who I am. I will be a man of faith. A lot of people could say, well, he was my co-worker. He was my friend. He, he had a lot of titles, but he was a man of faith because of what he did with what God gave. Now, Paul wouldn't stand up here and tell you he was perfect. But he believed in the mercy of the Lord. He believed that the mercy of God was new every morning. And that if he saw the light of another day, it was an, it was an opportunity to do it better or get it right. That's what Paul believed. He, he was, uh, every day, he was working on it. You know, Paul was like this to me. It reminded me of a preacher said one time at the end of his life, he said, the, the best I ever did, I, I did poorly. Or he said, most of what I did, I did poorly. The best I did, I could have done better. But I did it. I might have made mistakes. I might have not got it all right, but I did it. I, I did what was handed to me. I, I did it. I did it to my ability. I did it to my best. He was who he was because he did what he did with what was given. Now, I, I read this scripture that's, that uh, Peter wrote at the end of his life. And he said, we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Paul saw some things in his life. When he talked about Jesus being a healer, it's because he saw God heal people in his life. When he saw, he talked about God being a restorer. He wasn't just made up. He saw God restore people's lives and, and bring people back to God. He, and when he talked about God filling people with the Holy Ghost and washing their sins, well, it wasn't a fairy tale to him. He saw these things happen in his life. And just a few days prior to his departure, Sister Sabrina and Sister Karen came in and they found Brother Paul. And somebody just holler if I twist it, but. They saw Brother Paul washing Sister Rachel's feet. He came in and he was washing his daughter's feet just a few days before he passed. They said, what are you doing? I'm washing her feet. And then he sat down beside Karen and he said, the things of God are not a fairy tale. So he had faith. He was given a measure of faith as a young man. He didn't hide it away, but he wanted to spread it. He wanted somebody to catch it. He wanted it to be his life, and it was his life for his family. He wanted his children to see him be a man of faith. Let me tell you, all the way through the end, that was that man of faith. At the end, when I knew he was sick from chemo, when I knew he was in pain, when I knew he really didn't even feel like being here, and I would go speak to him and say, brother, how are you feeling today? He would say, God is faithful. Mm. No, hey, I'm hurting. No, I'm a little sick. He never told me how he was feeling, really. 
just would say, God is faithful. He was a man of faith. He believed in what God had given him. And he knew that this story of his, uh, no matter what God did, God was faithful. He, I believe he didn't want anybody to look at him and think, oh, where's God? But he wanted them, no matter what condition he was in, even to the end, that it had to be his testimony that God was faithful. When he was in pain, God is faithful. When he was sick, God is faithful. When he knew it was coming toward the end, still, God is faithful. And then he tell his children, honey, these things are not fairy tales, but they're real. Yes. He didn't want to leave this world, nobody thinking, oh, he didn't, do, he, you know, he, he didn't make it. Even when it was in that time of suffering, when his departure was near, just like Peter said here, even though he knew it was my time is near, he said, I want after my decease, I want you to always remember these things. And I'll say it to our church family that's here. We're going to miss that seat. Hey, sister, you're sitting right in his seat. You're sitting right in his seat. We're going to look out there and he's not going to be sitting in that seat. But I'm going to remember that man that ran laps around this building. I'm going to remember that voice saying, come on, pastor. Out of the blue, sometimes he would just call me, not to say anything particular. Except, hey, I just want you to know I love you and I'm praying for you today. I'm praying for you, Pastor. When all this virus stuff hit and people was trying to figure out what to do and he knew it was weighing heavy on my mind, he'd say, you're going to make the right decisions, Pastor. It'll be all right. I'm praying for you. I got faith in you. Just always lifting people up, encouraging people. That was the Paul that we knew. And I think what Peter conveyed to those that loved him is what Paul, our Paul, would convey to us today. To stir us up. I think he'd like to stir us up into the things of God so we don't forget about the things that Jesus can actually do. The Apostle Paul told Timothy at the time of his departure, he said, I am now ready to be offered. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You know what that means to me? If God gave every man the measure of faith, Paul said, I held on to what God gave me. I held on to what God gave me. I didn't let the storms of life rip it from my hands. I didn't let the trials of my faith and the things that happened in this life, the shipwrecked and beaten and stoned, I didn't let it rip it from my hands. You know what? Paul didn't let chemo rip it from his hands. He didn't let liver failure rip it from his hands. Uh, he didn't let that uh, pain in his body, he, uh, even when he couldn't run anymore, he still didn't let these things tear his faith away from him. But he just said, God is faithful. I believe our Paul would say the same things that the Apostle Paul said. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. In fact, he did say it. He just said it in the example that he lived all the way up to the end. He kept that measure of faith, but he didn't bury it. He walked by it, lived by it. He trusted it. And the measure of faith became the measure of the man. And when that happens, we measure up. To what, I kind of feel like you when I did that. When, when the measure of faith becomes the measure of the man, then we measure up and we hear our Savior say, well done, good 
and faithful servant. And I'm closing with this right here. One of the last things I saw Brother Paul the day before he passed and I knelt down beside him and told him how much I loved him, appreciated him, thanked God for his friendship, just thankful for him. And It's a tough place because you just want to say, you're going to pull out of this, Paul, you're going to pull out, but I think he already knew God was bringing him home. And he was trying to focus, I could tell, and he, he focused in, he said, hey, pastor, so I knew he recognized me. And I said, man, I love you, I'm praying for you. And he said, Pastor, we have to keep walking. That's faith. I think he was trying to let me know that I know that my time here is drawing to a close, but we just got to keep walking. And so to the family and friends here, I pass that message on from him to all of us. We just got to keep walking because I want to see him again one day. I want to see him and see what he says about my sermon here. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. When the measure of faith becomes the measure of the man. Paul Vaughn was a man of faith. Paul Vaughn was a man of faith. Why don't we lift our hands one time for just a moment and thank God for our friend and our brother. We're getting ready to have a video presentation, but let's just thank, take a moment before we look at these memories and go down memory lane. Why don't we just honor him for a minute, just lift our hands and thank the Lord for this great man of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for our friend. Thank you for the time that you gave us with him. Thank you for the impact and the imprint that he had on our life. And I pray, God, that Lord, we'll just keep moving, keep moving forward and keep running, keep walking, keep being that man of faith as he was. We thank you for him today. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for doing that. Let's be seated for just a moment. They have a video presentation right now at this time. And we're going to take a little trip down memory lane with some wonderful photos of our brother. Oh, I'm a traveler. Far from home I get lost But I press on Cause there's a mansion And streets of gold Where I belong Yes, there's a day Coming soon, where the old will be made new, and heaven's glory shines like the morning before I rise. When we
Man, what a beautiful tribute. We have one more song. This was a song that Brother Paul actually requested. And so I'm going to ask you if you're able today to stand with us during this last song. Now, it's been mentioned a couple of times that Brother Paul was a runner. And he would get excited in church and he'd take off and he'd make a laugh around this sanctuary, that hand up, just praising God. And got to a point where he would walk. And then when he couldn't do it no more, there were several people that would do it for him. And Sister Sabrina has promised Brother Paul that today she would take one final lap around this sanctuary for him. So I wanted to explain that to you so during this song when you see her that you don't think something's happening and she's trying to get out of here. She's, she's going to make a lap for her husband in honor of him one more time. And so I'm sure that maybe someone feels encouraged to join her. She doesn't care. But after she's done with that, then we'll be ready to dismiss. So thank you for being here with us today. Worship one more time and thank God for our brother who has flown away to be present with the Lord. Let's worship and sing together one more time.